you don't have to be Harry Potter to have an exciting life or to to help your friends or to to do something wonderful in the everyday. One of the things I love about my chief misfit status here on the Isle of Misfits is the VIP perks, or maybe I should call them VIM perks, uh, specifically letting me hobnob with people way above my literary station in life. And today is no exception because I am thrilled to engage in said hobnobbing, hobnobbing with, get this, senior editor at Moody Publishers. And not only that, but a contributor to publications like Christianity Today and others. And, oh, not only that, but a children's author who is, even now as we speak, releasing her debut series called the Street Kid Series. And we're here to talk about that today. Her name is Amanda Cleary Eastup, and she's here on the line to talk with me right here, right now. So welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here. Well, it is such a joy to have you here today, and of all days, right? Because today, I don't want to steal your thunder. You tell me, why is today a special day? It's book launch day! It's book launch day! <laughs> Hooray! So, which makes me feel even more honored to have you here with me and the Misfits. So thank you for joining us. Uh, it, it's thrilling. It really is. Yeah, today is, um, it's also my husband's birthday. So happy birthday to Dan. I have to say that. Um, oh, it keeps getting better and better. Uh, well, I, I know. And, you know, we were just praying together before this about God bringing people together and, and just doing cool things. And um, this journey for me has been one of those, just the people I've gotten to meet, that just kind of little nods that he's given me over time. Like, yeah, I see you. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> Um, this is what I want you to do, that kind of thing. But um, but one of those was um, when the series, it's a, it's a four-book series, The Tree Street Kids. And um, when it was actually my son's birthday when I found out that the books and the series were being, um, that my proposal was accepted by Moody Publishers. And then, um, yeah, then released on my husband's birthday. So no no plan but God's, but just kind of those fun little I don't know, you know, little things you don't think God thinks about, I suppose. It all comes together, right? Yeah, he, he wastes no details. He he remembers all of them. And that's, yeah, that's amazing. That is amazing. So, all right, so we definitely, we're here to talk about these wonderful stories that you wrote. But if you don't mind, I want to back up a little bit first. Sounds good. If you don't mind. Okay, all right. So it is misfit tradition around here to get to know our guests and the way we do that is the only way I know how, by playing a stupid game. So all you know is that there is a stupid game. You don't know what the stupid game is. <laughs> and I hear you've agreed to play it. I, I have agreed. I don't know who told you that, but... <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's another fun fact is my impressions. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but, all right, but yours is based on a fun fact I learned about you while reading your blog. And I want to talk about this blog in a little bit, but something, something about a quirky sitcom that you were involved with. And that's all I know about that. Um, but I also know, 
So it's actually two fun facts. For one, I also know that the 90s has a special place in your heart for the time period in your book series. So I thought I thought it only right to combine the two oh. and play a game that I like to call Name That 90s Sitcom. Oh, my goodness. Did I watch anything in the 90s besides children's <laughs> shows? I don't remember. <laughs> I bet you did. Me. That's my first answer. Okay, wait, which, wait, I missed, I missed the answer. I'm sure it was right. Whatever it was, it's right. Oh, I said Teletubbies, okay. but that, that's, oh, the, yes, that's the answer to sitcom, every but, question. Yeah. Well, it probably all depends on, yeah, what your general frame of mind was at the time. Okay. So, I'm all right. Ready. I'm ready. We'll make this short and sweet. So we're going to start out with an easy one. And by the way, um, yeah, as, as I, as I do often, I appeal to the internet for such things because the internet has all the answers. So. This one comes from How Stuff Works. Okay, let's start out with an easy one. All right, so how this is going to work, I'm going to give you a couple of character names, and then you tell me, I'm going to give you choices too, so you have a one in four shot of getting it right. Okay. So character names, name that show. Which show had a quirky guy named Al, a beauty named Lisa, and a smart neighbor named Wilson? Was it Tool Time? Yes, Tool Time. Hold on. Wait a minute. I'm going to give you another choice because you might change your mind. I'm just saying, you know, that's not like a hint or anything. Was it home improvement or was it full house? It was home improvement. That is correct, ma'am. You got the right answer. So tool time was kind of a trick because that was the show mm -hmm. within the show, as you remember. So, I, I do remember now. Yes. Yes. See, now that you've had full disclosure, I knew that you would know the <laughs> okay, right answer. Okay, I, I get this game now. I'm ready for the next Okay, you game. get it? Okay, so, all right. Here's another one. Definitely not a kid's show, but we were kids when we watched it back in the 90s, I'm sure. Okay, three characters. Gunther, Estelle, and Fun Bobby were all random characters on which famous show and i'm only i'm only going to give you three i know i said there was four but three makes it easier so was it home improvement was it friends or was it frazier i'm gonna have to say friends <laughs> you know you're right you see you are good at this game <laughs> all right so oh boy i don't all right, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna skip over the next question because I didn't know the answer to it, and it just wouldn't be fair to do to you what I couldn't do. So, all right, I'm gonna give you this one, and I'm gonna tell you right up front: don't let it throw you, because one of the names threw me, and that's all I'm gonna say. Okay. Okay. Yetta, Niles, and Sylvia mm -hmm. are all characters who interacted with Ms. Fine on what sitcom was it? <laughs> She didn't even need the choices, my friends. <laughs> See you. you said, as soon as you said Yada, I knew who it was. <laughs> you know, you know. Yes. Well, see, when I said Niles, I thought, oh, that's got to be Frasier. But then again, that wasn't even one of the choices. So I guess we watch, knew. We still watch yeah. the reruns all the time. The nanny. <laughs> oh, yes. She had the voice. <laughs> and the laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. See? <laughs> See, you knew your 90s shows better than you thought you did. So I'm going to stop it right there and just congratulate you. You were three for three. Great job. Well, thank you. Uh, there was that hint. So, Well, you know, it's only because I there's nothing subtle about me. So that's, yeah. So. <laughs>
<laughs> so wonderful. So I would, I'd love, usually I tell my guests, uh, 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 Isle of Misfits mug is coming your way, but I ran out of them. So I'll just have to send you something random from my house. If, oh, okay. You know. All right. Yeah. Like yeah. your dog. You never or, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or a can of soup. Okay. I don't know. Whatever I can find. As long as it's not mushroom. More. I don't think I could do <gasps> Neither does my husband. So see, all, we're all connected. It's yeah, all amazing. connected. All right, and speaking of connections, actually, no, I got to hold this because the next question has to be, since we're talking about quirky sitcoms, what's the deal with the quirky sitcom? So that, are you, are you referring to my blog post? I am. Yes. Why, yes, I am. I could quote it. I actually lifted your quote. Okay. Would you like me to do that? So here's the quote. Mm-hmm. If, like me, people have only said, you should write a quirky sitcom about your life that gets canceled after one year, causing a brief uprising of 17 fans and a petition signing campaign that results in a disappointing final Netflix season, then you might want to skip it. <laughs> that just made me want to know it all the more. <laughs> it, You know, it was... Uh... So the, the blog post, I had written this post, and I know this is the, the post you just read recently. Um, it was really, a, what you read recently was on um, the online magazine More to Life. And I had written that, and the the theme was life. And I'm like, oh, I, I have something I wrote about before. So I rewrote this. But um, so I had written it previously because I had decided, my, my blog has been through so many <laughs> versions and metamorphoses and seas and all that and um, it's a sign of growth oh my goodness and at one point it was uh i had changed it to living between the lines so i thought okay i'm going to talk about writing i'm going to talk about books i'm going to talk about all those you know just kind of life the everyday life and that's when the mundane and the messy were kind of the buzzwords of blogging for a while and, That's um, where we all like to live. And, about it. So, so yeah. So I came up with with that description. Like I I was talking about people's lives being a story, and we hear that often. And um, and just some lessons I had learned about, like, okay, well, what does that really mean? And and at some point in the blog, I was talking about. You know, hey, yeah, you're a story. Has anybody told you to you should write a book about your life? Then yeah, do it. But if your life looks like mine, maybe. <laughs> and so that's how I describe my life as this kind of weird little sitcom. And uh, the exhausted divorced mother dies in laundry avalanche was was a chapter in my book. And <laughs> I would watch that show. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people would. I really do. Yeah, and like you said, I think a lot of people are living a quirky sitcom. So even, you know, this this past year, I guess it would be a surreal sitcom and maybe not a comedy at all, but some sort of <laughs> macabre, dark comedy. I don't know. Well, we joke about my uh, about my parents. Exactly. <laughs> them kind of being like yes. the Costanzas and... And we're always like, well, why is it? Why is it so? Why is life so funny? You know, these everyday little occurrences so funny on on Seinfeld. But then when you're living it, you're like, man, I, this this isn't funny. But you know, later later on, you're kind of like, yeah, this is kind of funny. This is why we we relate to shows like that, or to books, or to other people, or to blog posts that are you know, really kind of authentic about somebody's life because it resonates. You know, it's like, right. eh, I get that. Yeah. Right, right. 
I remember years ago there was a it was some obscure Tom Hanks movie with Jackie Gleason and, and the the trailer the like the takeaway quote was it's a comedy and a drama just like life and I think that's exactly what you're talking about you know life is both it's um and then there's I don't know why this other one comes to mind. Mel Brooks talked about the difference between comedy and tragedy, right? He says comedy is when you fall into a hole and tragedy is when I stub my toe or something like that, you know? So it's all perspective, mm -hmm. right? Right. And, you know, the point of what I had been writing about was that, that you know, and we say this, we say, yes, life is meaningful, but sometimes it's hard to, to see it. Um, and so I kind of compared it to the development of, of a story about um, how God develops our characters or how those that space in between lines uh, gives us space, um, how our everyday life just can lay this uh, foundation for those, you know, you have those climaxes and those, those, those peaks and valleys in, uh, in a plot, in a book or in a story. And... And you need that. You need those those kind of quiet low points before the action starts to rise again. We're we're not we can't all live on these peaks all the time. Um, right. So that's I had kind of yeah talked about that in the in that post. Yeah, and I thought that was so great because uh, again I'm going to lift a quote from that because I loved it so much that you said most of our life story is lived as you say between the lines in the subtext that doesn't immediately or explicitly reveal its meaning. And then you talked about it was a literary term. I promised myself I was going to remember it, and of course I didn't. But um, it's what you're talking about is where the the subtext, you know, the deeper revelation reveals itself over time. Yeah, it's a revelation subtext and. Um there it is. Yeah, and and to tell you the truth, I I didn't know about that until recently. <laughs> and I bet you I bet you knew about it without knowing about it all along. Doesn't that because, happen a lot? Yeah. Right. There's, right. You just there's now these you're terms the that right. suddenly you're like, oh yeah, I get that. I didn't know that there was a word for it. <laughs> and there it is. But um, yeah, I've taught writing. I am a writer. I'm an editor, and st and still. It's like, oh yeah, what's a, what's a dangling participle again? I can't right, I know it when I see it, but yes, don't right. ask me to explain it. My life is a dangling yes. participle. <laughs> so, it yeah. isn't all of ours. But yeah, yeah, so there's different kinds of subtext in literature, and I, I found it really interesting that um, that the revelation subtext, as it's called, is is basically that that a specific truth is is revealed um and the larger the larger meaning of the story is revealed over time through the subtext and and i thought that's such a great analogy for our lives um we'll, we don't understand everything that's happening now we don't always see the deeper meaning of events in our lives whether it's you know i'm taking care of a sick kid or I'm going through a divorce or somebody's passed away, whatever it, it whatever it may be, we don't, whether it's the, the small things or the really big things, um, we don't always see that meaning. And it, sometimes it's revealed over time to us. We can look back over, you know, the last 10 years or so and say, wow, I really saw God working or I, I, I see now how, how much different I am, how my character has developed <laughs> over these 10 years. And but it's really not going to be till the very end, right? Where God's 
truth, God's God's um, purpose, all of that is really revealed to us at, at the end when He returns. So I just thought that was I'm really taking that analogy. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful, but I thought because it was it's yeah. yeah. It's so true because it's, it's 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 everything is in retrospect, right? It's like you ask me, well, what did you do this weekend? Well, I don't know what I'm doing when I'm doing it. I have to look back, you know. It's like what happened? Oh, that's what happened. But it's not just about recall. It's as you say, it's it's having context. And when you're in the midst of a situation, you don't have the whole context. You don't have the big picture. It's only when we're able to step back and often, if not always, I think always, unless we're time travelers, um, we don't get that context until we've looked back and seen in it's seen it in in a bigger perspective right it's it's really all about perspective it's all about how do we interpret and we interpret very differently we're in the midst of something rather than when we're looking back on something absolutely so there was another and so there was another aspect facet to this that I just thought was beautiful. Um, you talk about, so we may, we may be a story, you, you know, that our lives are a story, and he says, sort of, you go on to say, but we aren't the story. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that. Right. So there's so much focus on, you know, what is my calling? What is my story? Um, I'm... You know, there, some of, sometimes the term is, well, we're, God and I are co-authors, <laughs> this whole kind of thing. And where I really started thinking a little bit differently about that whole, quote-unquote, my story was when um, my son, this was quite a few years ago, he told me that one of his favorite songs was Helplessness Blues by Fleet Foxes, and I, I I love the band and I, I listened to the lyrics and I was a little taken aback because, you know, he's my son, he's my firstborn, he's a he's a wonderful snowflake kinda, you know, <laughs> unique and all these things, how we how we can be with our kids. And the lyrics were really and I couldn't share them on the blog post just for copyright purposes because I'm an editor and all about copyright. <laughs> Right. But um, oh boy, yeah, I have to plug my ears now because <laughs> don't read my blog. Um, yeah. But the the the, um, the songwriter talks about that as he's growing up, he's he's come to believe from what he's told apparently that he's very unique and that he's different than everyone else. And and there's there's definitely truth to that. We are we are unique. We are complex. We are beautiful creations. But then he he used this term functioning cog, and mm, he that mm-hmm. he is just part of a, a big machine. And I thought, well, gosh, that's kind of I and, and knowing my son just loved those lyrics was kind of. I was like, well, no, honey, don't no, you're not a functioning cog. You are a snowflake. <laughs> you're more than that, <laughs> right? But then the the words, um, you know, as I went a little further. The words that really grabbed me were that he's part of this. Yes, okay, he's part of this machinery, but he's serving something far beyond himself. Exactly. And and I and it was like this. There you go. That revelation. I was like, okay, I get that. Now I get. It. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 
you know, it, it just, that's a very biblical truth. And, and so just to, um, you know, that, that was just something I, I started to look at story different. Yeah. I'm, I'm part of the bigger story. So that, that those lyrics just really spoke to me of that. And, oh my gosh. Yeah. So to me, what's so biblical and beautiful about what you're talking about, what these lyrics uh, allude to, the idea of going from snowflake to cog in a machine. Biblically, I think there's a case that can be made that both are true. We are unique and wonderfully made and fearfully made. And, you you know, there's no one like you. There's no one like your son. So he's still... He still gets that snowflake status, and I'm not saying that in a woke way. And yet, at the same time, so my husband is an engineer, and I feel like I say this at least every other episode, but he is my husband, and I do draw analogies from him whenever I can. And, you know, as such, he designs a lot of parts for machines. He designs machines, and he designs parts for machines. And so I know nothing about engineering, but I know enough to make an analogy that in a machine, you have a lot of unique parts that are working together, Mm -hmm. and when they don't work something's missing and the machine breaks down. So I think it's I think it's a beautiful analogy because yes, that cog is unique. Yes, that piston or whatever, but it by itself it really doesn't serve its purpose. It serves its purpose in the context mm-hmm. of a machine that does a greater work. So right. Good on ya and good on what was the name of that band? I, I'm oh, gonna Fleet, look up that song. Fleet Foxes. F L Fleet Foxes foxes yeah 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 that's 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 great beautiful so okay with all that said what does this have to do with the books you wrote well in my mind everything because uh, here's where i want to start which might be weird but hebrews eleven nine. i want to start there because there was a theme i picked up just from learning about these stories the theme of finding your way home mm-hmm. right so uh Tell us about Hebrews eleven nine and why it's important to your story. Well, it's um, it plays into the first book. So the, there's two books that came out simultaneously out of the what's currently a four book series. So the Tree Street Kids is a four book series right now, and the first two books that just released today are uh, Jack versus the Tornado and uh, the Hunt for Fang. So those two, and they're they're middle grade fiction. So middle grade being not the same thing as middle school, but middle grade in the the publishing industry is the age 8 to 12. 8 to 12, Mm -hmm. yep, great. So, I think some of the greatest books were written for that age group, by the way. I'm a huge fan of middle grade, and I would would recommend that people pick up a, a really good middle grade book once in a while they're they're um they can be just poignant and beautiful and if you don't know where to start i'd start with someone like kate d camillo and uh, go from there but um so back to uh these much lesser known books <laughs> um so in jack versus the tornado and in, in each of my books what i i start with is one or two foundational verses that guide the theme of the book so Jack versus the tornado is really about uncertainty and needing to leave home and go to an unknown place. Which mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I thought when I was writing the book, I'm like, what's what's something that most kids at some point have had to deal with, and that is moving. 
it's so traumatic. It's <laughs> so traumatic. I had to move a few right. times and and not even for any you know serious purpose. I mean, you know, I didn't my my kids had to move because of a divorce. So that was that was traumatic on top of you know, on top of moving there was all that. Right. When I moved it's it, a disruption, absolutely. Right. So but as a child, I didn't. I didn't necessarily. I didn't have that issue. My parents just wanted to move, but so I started there, and um, and so that verse in Hebrews is carved into um, the Hayloft Fort, the door of the Hayloft Fort, where Jack Finch, the main character, uh, spends a lot of his time. So he and his sister Midge and his parents live with their grandparents in the country. Uh, on the grandparents' farm. And so Jack spends a lot of his time up in the Hayloft Fort, and this is just kind of an unusual door that his grandfather has made by hand, and he has carved the, um, the verse from Hebrews about Abraham having to leave his home and um, and basically this, this idea of trusting God going into the unknown. Right, yeah, like, right, by faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger mm -hmm. in a foreign country, or so it says. Right, so that's that begins the book, and then Jack, uh, Jack, it's his 10th birthday, and his family is moving from the farmhouse to the suburbs of Chicago, which feels like another so, world. Yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit of culture shock there, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Right. And, oh, and by the way, this is in the 90s, right, because we said... The 90s, right. yeah, it just seemed like it would be um, a fun, and this 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 idea really came from when I was first pitching a series idea to Moody, uh, Randall Payleitner, who's the associate publisher there, was really the, the one who said, hey, the 90s would be an interesting setting, and um, so I, I just... I thought, yeah, I know the, I know about the '90s. <laughs> I know. Can you believe now the '90s are nostalgic? <laughs> right. Well, and and that's the thing. So the so the the readers of these books, their parents were probably growing up in the '90s. I was raising my kids oh, sure. in the '90s. My kids are uh, they're they were they were a little bit younger than than Jack is uh, than the main character is, but. But yeah, so it was really fun for us to sit around, for my family and I to sit around and say, you know, just reminisce about things from our lives the, and everything from like the nanny. Yeah, what, what, yep. what did, what, did what, what, you know, what did I put in your lunches and and what were the, the you know the video games and the cartoons? I mean, I did so much crazy research just trying to uh, remember, um, you know, like Mario. Uh, Mario video games and that kind of thing. oh, that's so, right. That's kind of where it all started, mm -hmm. sort of. So, so that was really fun. It was fun to go back. It was fun to set these characters uh, in in a setting where they don't have access to a cell phone. They really don't have home computers yet. So oh, much. that's right. They were the last free generation. Really, really, and um, and so that that also means that they have to figure a lot of things out without being able to, you know, text mom or to have, so, you know, they, uh, so they can get lost in the woods or they can, 
yeah. ride their bikes around. And the only one who really has a lot of contact with his mom is Roger, and he because he has a walkie-talkie. So his mom's always uh, He's high tech. Yeah, yep. so there's, there's Jack and Mitch <laughs> the walkie-talkie. And then there's Roger Jennings and Ellison Henry and Ruthie Galinsky, and they're the, they're the core group of kids in these books. Right. And, yeah, and then they show up again in your next book, about the hunt for Fang, right, where they go off to a summer camp? Right. So the it's it's a church camp. It's just for the week, and it's it's a survival camp. So they they just learn some cool skills from the youth leader there. Uh, Noe Hernandez teaches them to, like, light a fire or build a shelter. And where the kids live is surrounded by thousands and thousands of acres of forest preserve which is really actually it sounds strange but it's very our our area south of chicago where i live so it's kind of an um i guess a composite their their town of king's grove is kind of a composite of the various suburbs that i've lived in i've lived in the country far south of chicago i i work and have gone to school in the city and then i've i've lived in different suburbs so it's been fun to draw from all those different places but um so King's Grove is kind of this composite of these various places. But here we have just in our area, Earl Cook County, which is also includes Chicago, has 70,000 acres of uh, forest preserve. It's one wow, of and you would large, never think mm-hmm, that. Exactly. And it's one of the largest and oldest. It, it may be the largest and oldest forest preserve in the United States. So... You have a large coyote population. We have coyotes in the city. We have coyotes in the suburbs. Uh, I can't say I ever saw a coyote when I lived out in the country, but I see them all the time in the suburbs. So, Interesting. So the idea of the hunt for Fang is now Jack has gotten settled into his um, his new neighborhood a little bit, and there's you know because we you know kids love animals, we have uh, the uh, the inclusion of a, a fun little uh, appearance of a, of a puppy who Jack may be able to to keep or not. We don't know. And um, mm, it's a cliffhanger. It's a cliffhanger. You got to read it, people, right. to find out. And so they, fortunately, these survival skills they're learning at the camp come in handy because somebody ends up getting lost in the woods. Hmm. Hmm. Lost in the woods. Yeah. There is an allegory. Right. <laughs> And, you know, so the, the theme there really in the foundational verse was, I had a couple, but one the one was from Romans about where nature really tells us about God and that we don't have an excuse. <laughs> yes, all creation. And then, Romans out, yep. Yeah, and then also just stewardship, uh, stewardship of, of the earth. What's mine? What's my territory? Um, what happens when, you know, how do I live alongside some of the the creatures that that god has created because it all belongs to him we like to say this is mine or that's and and you know that's my boundary you know that's your territory and which and the other thing that comes into play there is uh, a bully Uh, the neighborhood bully is introduced in this book so the kids have that to deal with yeah so gotta have a bully yeah buzz rublatz oh yeah that is a bully name (laughs) if ever i heard one 
<laughs> so, so all these things, I mean, everything that you're talking about, all the, all the elements of the story, it, it just comes, it circles back for me with this theme from your blog, which is the method to my madness and, and wanting to talk about that because this is about a story about, it's about them, but it's about so much more than them. It's about, it's about Jack and about his, his journey of, trying to fit into a new home, deal with that, but it's so much bigger. He finds himself in a larger context with friends, and then the friends find themselves in a larger context, right? All these things, mm-hmm. like even stewardship, like what's my, what is my, uh, my purpose in taking care of the things that I've been entrusted with? Like, so, so there's so much here that I, I just love. That's, I, I'm glad you made that connection. That's, that's cool. So maybe I have a life theme there. <laughs> I, uh, I, and with these books, I think the nice thing about just setting them, one in the '90s, but just in everyday life, there's there's a lot of kids' books, and and these are written from a Christian perspective, and you know there's a lot of fantasy, um, and and those are great. We we. We love the Chronicles of Narnia um, and, and all those stories that, that give us the chance to, you know, live those through the characters and, and, and swing a sword at the enemy. But I, I guess I, I wanted to, to have books that kids could read that they would relate to the characters. Just yes. kind of like, on a, this is everyday life, but it's, it's, still, it's still important. It's still exciting. You... You don't have to be Harry Potter to have an exciting life, or to to help your friends, or to um, to do something wonderful in the everyday. Oh, and that's what a great point, and that it's so true because yes, I mean the fairy tales are classics for a reason. C.S. Lewis is classic with children's uh, literature for a reason because it's timeless, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you know, as you said, not dissing on any of them because who am I? But but there's something there's something about um, proximity, right? So there's a distance mm-hmm. to the fairy tales because we don't live with dragons and we don't, you know. We don't uh, have a castle at Care Paravel as much as we might want one. Um, But we can all, well, not all of us, but many of us can relate to living in suburbia. And if we can't relate to living there, we certainly relate to living in an urban setting or or a country setting, all of which seem to be somehow at least addressed in your story. So there's that relatability of being a kid. And and it's also disarming, I think, especially as adults, because I know we're talking about children's lit you know Mm -hmm. 8 to 12 year old category but I'm here to say I think some of the greatest books that I've ever read have been in that age group because they are disarming you know as an adult you can kind of suspend your your adult arrogance and just immerse yourself into the story and then oh surprise surprise there's something in it here for me yes there there's a huge following it's interesting and i i have really discovered this on social media more so and instagram i you know i guess it makes sense for instagram because people love to there's the whole bookstagram culture people love to Mm. post pictures of of what they're reading their current reads right there's an entire there's a huge group of people who are are just big fans of middle grade but they're adults they don't even have kids they 
just love middle grade books and it's it's a it's a wonderful genre it's there's still for the most part even in the general market not even just in the christian market the, the christian market of middle grade is there's books out there but I, not a lot, uh, especially compared to the to the general market. And there's some amazing, amazing general market middle grade books out there. So there's still, for the most part, that's changing. But there's still, for the most part, something more of an innocence there. Even if the books are dealing with you know tougher topics, M mine don't in particular. Uh, I, I touch on certain things, but. Um, the, the books for the most, my books for the most part are a little more lighthearted. I use a lot of humor, um, science and history facts and literature facts and those kind of kind of things. But I, yeah, I would definitely encourage people to to pick up a, a middle, just go browse in the middle grade section of the bookstore. It's wonderful. The covers and the uh, the titles and it's it's just it's just lovely. It's one of my favorite oh, I, places to be. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree because, I, you know, what you said about innocence, yes, there is an innocence to it, which I think is maybe what's so disarming about it. But but at the same time, we're not talking about insipidness, right? Mm -hmm. It's not it's not so distilled as to insult our adult intelligence. I think some of the most brilliantly written books have been written for that middle uh, middle age group. Um, in fact, okay, I got I to gotta bring this quote out. I got it from your blog, and I loved it. Mm -hmm. um, from Madeline Langell, right? Langell. her name? Langell. Thank you. See, I knew it screwed up. So, all right. Um, so here's the quote. She's not here to say anything about it. She's not. All right. Oh, thank you. I'm, yes, postmortem forgiveness. Um, so, but the quote is, you have to write the book that wants to be written. And if the book will be too difficult for grownups, <laughs> then you write it for children. Brilliant. That's exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And there's... There's qu other quotes that are similar to that about you. You can't <laughs> really, really good books, children's books, also appeal to adults on some level because they're written well. They don't write down to kids. Exactly. And there's a challenge with that, I think, with especially Christian books where we're and I've been asked this question, well, how do you, how do you integrate faith into your, into, into a fictional book? Uh, how do you mm -hmm. do that so that it's, um, it's authentic? Uh, here's another right. popular Believable. word. Believable. Yeah. So right. Yeah. Yep. I've, I've, I've experienced in, in just in conversations, I've, I've seen Christian writers who just want to write about goodness, for instance, for me and, and, you know, and I have to know my publisher, I have to know myself as an author, and I have to know my audience. So in, for, so where I'm at right now, that's not enough for me as an author. I, I don't want to just write about some general goodness. Uh, and so I want there to be a faith element in the book. That's what I want. I, that's what I wanted for my children as I was raising them. I want these conversations. I want them to ask questions. I want them to make mistakes. I want them to to know that there's to understand forgiveness and grace and 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 temptation, all those things. So it just makes sense for me to be in that book. So how do you do that 
naturally, I guess. Um, if we if we start with, I'm going to teach. Okay, yes, I start with with a foundational verse or a theme. But if you're not talking about catechizing, you're not talking about this book is going to be your moral education. What's going to happen, I hope, is that the moral education will come through the engagement of the moral imagination. And that's a huge thing for me, is is that that um, that cultivating and nurturing of moral imagination. And that's where you get a combination of you you engage the child's mind or or anyone's mind and also their emotions through the imagination so then you get those two things and then the, a, a moral education should come out of that um well yeah yeah i mean isn't that just the way life unfolds right mm-hmm. life isn't sitting down in a classroom i mean there's a time for that but most of life is coming and going and playing and working and you know riding in the car and you know um it just kind of makes me think of that scripture in deuteronomy right Mm -hmm. so you know talk about these things when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down Mm -hmm. and when you get up so let you know eternity is set within our hearts and i think a case can be made that any great piece of writing literature otherwise or otherwise is going to speak to that because it's already set in our hearts. We're looking for it in the meta themes of, of everything, mm-hmm. right? Because it's it's there, like you talked about in creation, right? So absolutely. So to be able to skillfully do that, I, I think as a Christian author, I, I think just in in my, I don't know, in my observation or I'm, I'm I'm not quite sure how to put this, but I, I think there's an extra challenge because I think a lot of times well-meaning Christian authors think we have to take that extra step to make sure we're we're moralizing along the mm-hmm. way. Right, and I'm not saying I did it skillfully. <laughs> well, I'm here to disagree with you. I think even from this conversation um, and just from these wonderful characters, it, it just, yeah, you've got me convinced that this is just coming out in the story because right. and, that's our Yeah, life. and, and you, you really just said it right there is, is coming out in the characters. If, if you know the characters, it's just like each of our children. If, you, if, you, if you've raised kids, you, you know, I had, I, I had one child who... It was, you know, all about Jesus all the time. And it was just kind of crazy how it just, even when she was very little, that was a thing. And then we we still, I, I worked this into the book, but my son came home one day from school and, you know, said, oh, he needed to choose a mem- you know, verse to memorize out of the Bible. And, of course, he chose Jesus wept, right? <laughs> <laughs> but Gets to the point. Yeah, yes. So just right like to- each of us have a different way of, integrating our faith or relating to God um, and growing. We grow so differently. There's there's our uniqueness, part of our uniqueness too, right, that we were talking about. Um, I try to do that with the characters. Okay, well, how will, how, will, how will Jack respond on his faith journey compared to the way his um, his friend Roger, who doesn't go to church, how is he going to respond? So it was really actually kind of fun uh, to work with with that as well. Yes, and like every good author, because you know much better than me, because you're you're the editor. But you know, we good authors they show, 
right? They don't necessarily tell. They show you. It gets revealed in the character development. So I got to tell you, I can't wait to to delve into these books. My daughter is just about grown up, but I'm gonna. I think she's gonna love it. I think we're gonna we're gonna sit down and read these together because it just it just sounds like such good stuff, and we need good stuff right now. Boy, do we need yeah, it! Yeah, and that's absolutely true. We we really do. That things are changing a lot in in children's books and children's literature, and uh, and we we don't really know unless you read a book. Um, you don't know what your child's being told, and that's where you know the the whole education we were talking about this moral education can go the wrong way. It can go the wrong way too. Right, right. So. I love that that you are doing what God has put in your hands to point to the bigger story, to go the right way. And I, you know, I'm just going to say it. There is a right way, even in this day and age of relativism. And yes. just finished a series on uh, hope in the madness where we talked all about that. But um, but here today we're talking about just the bigger story and that there's hope. There's hope that that we can we can get lost in the story. But we're not lost. Mm-hmm. That we're part of we're part of a bigger story. That the good news is that it's, it's about more than us. But we get to play a vital role. And let's talk right now. Um, we're just about out of time. But let's talk about where people can find these books, get these books, buy them as gifts for all of their friends <laughs> and relatives. Well, the uh, the first two books in the series are out today, and you can find those at Tree Street kids.com and uh, you'll see a, a lovely web page that Moody Publishers has put together with uh, the covers and there's a, a, a really fun trailer on there that's uh, I'm really uh, thrilled about and there's also some little downloads on that site as well excellent bonus material mm-hmm. and then um yeah, so that's the that's the best place to to look if you want just more information at treestreetkids.com and then they're available now at any major bookseller. So you can get them on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Moody Publishers, Indie uh, IndieBound.org if you want to help support your local uh, bookstores. So you can look there too. Wonderful. So all the options and. Also, if they just want to look you up, because I loved that blog post that I read. So tell us how we can read about you and your blogs. Well, if you if you go to treestreetkids.com, which is probably the easier thing to remember than all my last names, uh, which is you know, no one's fault but mine. <laughs> uh, oh, every good but, author has to have uh, three last so names. So uh, my little bio is on there, and there's a link to my website, which is amandaclearyestep.com. All right. Well, Amanda, thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. It it has. I wish we could have done it over coffee. That would be fun. Well, hey, if I ever make it out to Chicagoland, or actually, I don't even know if that's where you're from, but I'm in my mind. Okay. I'm in the suburbs here. Right, because Moody, right, mm-hmm. yes. I'm going to look you up, but I'll give you a heads up. I won't just show up. Oh, I, I'd be know. fine with that. I, I can roll <laughs> with it. Well, I will look forward to that day. And in the meantime, we would love to have you back anytime you want to talk about anything, whether it's more Tree Street Kids well, that or won't be so more 90s sitcoms. Or, yeah. or, Summer 2022, the next right. two I'll be out. But uh, All right, but, well, hey, 90s sitcoms it is we then. Could, we could talk about anything you want. Play, play awesome. more stupid games. I'm, I'm, I'm a- oh, I, I got a million of them. <laughs> All right, well, hey. 
Thank you again, and God bless. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I like that Amanda Cleary E-Step. She's pretty cool. In fact, just talking to her makes you want to read everything she writes. So I guess a good place to start is with her two, count them, two new releases, Jack versus the Tornado and The Hunt for Fang, which you can order at streettreekids.com. And while you're there, make sure to click on Amanda's blog. That's amandaclearyestep.com, and I'll spell all that out in the show notes just to help you out. You're welcome. Then, and only then, as long as you're still online, why not visit me at isleofmisfits.com? Because it's my own little misfit world where you can hear more great podcasts like these with fascinating people from all the walks of life, read blog posts, even look at pretty pictures in my gallery of beauty. You will find it all at isleofmisfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of misfits.com. And if you subscribe, well then, you'll never miss out on any of the misfit fun. Because we are on a mission, my friend. To own our awkward, to love our fellow misfit, and most of all, to seek beauty and truth, literally everywhere. <laughs>